I always had the feeling going through life up until I kind of found music that I I felt mismatched with the world. Like I didn't know how I was going to plug myself into the world. <laughs> I don't know if that sounds mm-hmm. sounds strange, but with music I, for me, it's just so separate from the way so many other things work for me in this way that it just always remains pretty magical. I'm Zach Stock. And I'm Levi Landis. And this is We Need to Talk. Episode 3, Treasure Hunting. Today we search low and lower with Strim Strummer and Captain Bertie Bush. She's on stage this Saturday, June 7th at Johnny Brenda's for the annual Philly Opry. Lost Pennies, Tiny Utopias, and The Perfect Chord. song off of our our new record far from the tree i came to the band just playing it and it was it almost sounded like just like a really down home kind of like jerry garcia band kind of like country blues and it didn't seem to be well matched for the emotion that we were trying to convey with the song which seemed really intense so we would just kind of like started working on it openly And it was Carl who was like, why don't we just change this one chord? Mm. And then from there, it totally um, evolved with like the rhythm that we played it. Once that chord came into the song, everything changed. It's like a little keystone that was just slipped in there. Yeah. And it just like the sentiment, the energy of it, the feeling of it. and, And then it just became something completely different. Hmm. For the better, for, we felt for the better. Yeah. But that's kind of always happening when you work with a group. I majored in writing in college, but there was still something that felt really distant about it hmm. and not immediate and not, I wasn't satisfying the way I wanted to communicate things. And then I started to realize over time that going to a show and observing a band that's all just enjoying themselves together and putting forth something like both looking ahead, like ahead being, you know, like to where the song's going to go, but also being completely in the moment. And if it works, you're kind of observing this like example of like utopia in a way where everyone is communicating wonderfully, but also improvising and just being completely fearless and joyous. And I feel like that's the kind of energy that gets transmitted when when it really works. Mexico for the summer after college 
came back, answered a Craigslist um, ad on online. I had a room about half this size of the room that we're sitting in now, which no one can see it. This is a pretty small room. And it was even smaller. And the house was so terrible that I spent a lot of time just either in my room or out in the world. And I realized there that I wanted to start writing songs. And I didn't know anyone, and I just started to learn how to play guitar. I you know, like started taking lessons a couple blocks away just privately with someone. I started telling people that that's what I was going to do. I told my parents that. And they just kind of, you know, like, I don't think anyone meant ill will, but they just, like, my parents were like, okay. Like, in the same way that, like, someone says, like, I'm going to take a... Oh, to be an architect. I'm going to take a circus school (laughs) class or something. They're like, great, you know, like. But I said to them, I was like, I think this is what I want to do. Do you know what it was, like, about that experience that turned you in that direction? I had this enthusiasm for it that I could not seem to follow through with with other things. There's plenty Mm. of things I'm really enthusiastic about, but I just seem to, like, have boundless energy. I remember, like, starting to go to open mics, and I was just, like, every week I was looking forward to getting there to share songs with people. And my childhood friends just kind of looked at me like, oh, you know, like, as expected, you're a wacky person, you know, like... (laughs) And then you'll be like in a dark room in a year making <laughs> photographs. Oh, so it was like it was pretty left field when you brought it up. It wasn't like you were already. It no, was a new I, thing, I wasn't. Kind of, yeah. I, I was just like I had taken two weeks of guitar lessons when I decided oh, wow. this. Yeah. So, and that was you know I was 20, 22, 21, 22. So it was, it was young enough that, it seemed like I could do something on a whim you know like oh yeah like you're you're feeling out your world but then also I think old enough that they were like well you've never played music yeah and you're saying this is what you're gonna do right I think that's one of the biggest tragedies just people in general they make decisions that something is past due some people like hate hate recording it's like the production yeah like it's like their least favorite thing like to be in a studio and just be able to kind of create a universe like a sonic universe is really special to me and I started to realize the power of um you know like people loving music because it kind of creates a universe outside of the tangible one that they can kind of not only escape into but just kind of have it kind of give them back energy for for the one that they're in. So, you know, like I started to think about like recordings that I loved. Like I love this Willie Nelson record called Theatro, which isn't one of his it came out in the past like 15 years. And I started to realize the reason I loved it so much was because not 
just as much as that it was Willie Nelson, but the production of it was so wonderful. Mm. And, you know, like I love All Things Must Pass, the George Harrison record. Like it's because it was recorded in this amazingly strange and unique way. And I just got really into like the power of different microphones and different vocal effects as, you know, influencing how the message is being transmitted to I'm, I'm constantly studying songs and how, like why they're powerful and thinking about why they're mm. powerful. Um, what makes a song powerful enough to be on a DJ slowpoke set? <laughs> Cause you DJ, some people don't know that. Is there uh, yeah. something you look for when you're playing music for people like that in a club or in a, a living room? Yeah. Or well, hmm. songs I really think are just like distilled, you know, like in essence, like they're like distilled, moments or um emotions i like songs that always kind of tell things in a slightly peculiar way it doesn't have to be strange words lyrically but like one of my favorite songs is elvis presley blues the gillian watch song yeah i mean i love that whole record i love all the records i love all the records and just i was like man like well she was just sitting there and she was like thinking about like writing this song through the kind of window of, I don't know, just like what Elvis Presley was thinking. And it came out as this like extremely intense song about this. That references John Henry and sort of that ancient story. It just like all swirls. And I think that like with her song um, on that same record, you know, like I'm going to write a song about my first lover through the context of making out on a floor and having the Beach Boys on behind us. She's kind of referring to a specific something very specific, like a time and place, and but is also sort of like pushing towards saying larger things, kind of implicitly. I actually think you're really great at that too, and your lyrics, um, you know, they're kind of like about particulars, but they're sort of haunted by this sense of gratitude that's kind of more cosmic. But it's it's such a mysterious thing because then there's like, I mean. Some of Neil Young's songs, which are so great. If you were to read on paper. He's just singing about his truck. I want to live. <laughs> I want to give. Right. You know, like, they just seem so, but just the way that they transmitted them, I don't know. It mm. just, like, resonates so deeply. The music adds another element yeah. to it somehow. Yeah, it's, I, it's like this. It's just this thing that you can't uh-huh. totally break down, which is why I guess we're so attracted to music because you can't totally explain it the way you can maybe explain some other things. What's the best thing you ever found from the trash from the trash yeah yeah 
I feel like I would have to like. Is it food eat. that mostly you're talking about? In or we're talking about clothes? No, mostly non-edibles. Although, yeah. and this is a whole different tier of conversation. You know, like there's. <laughs> Let's a- go there. Let's climb up on that tier. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready. Let's get the dumpster divers. In <laughs> well, some people are like, um, food that's, you know, like vacuum sealed in wrappers. Do you do it? Do you not? And then like some people are like no way right. and then <laughs> like the pro vacuum seal yeah, camp like, versus the. and then there's some people who are like <laughs> like brush it off and raw, put it in your mouth like, <laughs> it's better that way some people are like raw turkey that's only expired by two days <laughs> yeah. no i'm not i don't i'm not going out to look for food right. i'm going out just like i love the hunt i love the tr- like the tr- treasure mm. i love feeling like a pirate so, for example, I love all of this weird old linoleum with beautiful, like, flower pa- patterns and colors that you just can't replicate anymore. Probably because they're all made of poisonous contents, like lead and all that stuff. But I I really love kind of some of those extremely old little bundles of beauty that I get. But then I also will just, like, very get very practical things, like a pair of boots that I look up and I find are worth like $600 new. And then I sell them to a woman in Norway on eBay for like $200. Everyone kind of thinks that like, man, Bertie's place must just be like full to the brim of, of stuff. But I'm very streamlined. I only keep things that really resonate with Mm. me. I've gotten some beautiful hardback, like, hardback issued jack london books with like gorgeous artwork on the front and um wolves now you're not trash (laughs) you're not trash picking inside of people's homes right this is you wait (laughs) they don't ever read this book (laughs) there's been times where it was too soon and you know like someone was just like going into their house to like (laughs) They, they, like, they didn't lay it on the curb yet. You like, just took it from their hands. Thank you. I'll take that for you. <laughs> but like, they were gonna be putting some things in their car that they like left on the curb while their like front door was open, and I was like, sweet. And then they're like coming on. They're like, and I was like, oh, sorry. I just yeah. You know, it's bad when you have a shopping cart with you. And you're like going down the aisles of their junk. <laughs> but yeah, like I've found. What are those pennies that have the feathers on the back of them? They're really- like a wheat penny. Yeah, like yeah. they have like a, 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 they were from the 40s, I think, like the late 40s, early 50s. Um, I love metal things. Have you ever been cool. metal detecting? That's <laughs> no, why yeah. I wanted to ask you. Cause I don't a kid, have a metal detector. Like, you would love it. But I feel like I it's, would love it's it. It's amazing. It's so, it's like, uh, it requires this patience, but you just let go. It really connects you in like a zen-like way. And then if you love finding stuff, you're digging, you're doing all that stuff. It's just amazing, isn't <laughs> Levi, it? Levi, will you get me one for Christmas? Yes, and then you guys will see me like yes. roaming around <laughs> fish detector. I mean, it's one of the things that's so cool about Philly is that, and I don't want to say this. There's, you can't say this without it sounding derogatory. Or sad. Let's hear it. We love sad stuff. Sad and derogatory. <laughs> Philly is really just like a rotting corpse. No, <laughs> well, that's not negative at all. <laughs> I will be right back. That actually gives me <laughs> hope for the future. <laughs> but like, 
I mean, especially like just take, you know, like, I mean, I ride my bike everywhere. I also just take like, the precious bones <laughs> out of it. <laughs> pull them out. But there's so many places. I wish I could get into so many more places and we really can, you know, like, and just see what some of these places are like inside, you know? Like the Constitution Center. <laughs> oh, wait, just like no. that random rotting home at 28th and Jefferson. Right. Like, I wish I could just go in there. Even if, like, not to take anything, just to, like, see the wallpaper. Yeah. And Philly is an I want to go to the Divine Lorraine. I would love to break into that yeah. spot. Like, even just going, you know, around the corner to this thrift store, seeing some of, like, the silverware that's in, like, the bins for a quarter, and just knowing that they probably came from a, maybe a collection of just, like, amazing silverware from one of these homes around here. And, like, eventually, you know, like how, you know, shells get up on the beach and just get worn down. They, like, make it to this bin thrift store. Yeah. There's whole, like, color palettes that I relate, you know, being with Philly, these like certain primary colors that I feel like only here do I really experience. Mm -hmm. Um, There's like a lot of reds and greens and blues and yellows that kind of are all over different buildings and signs and stuff. Have you seen those, uh, the color murals on Germantown Ave? Yeah. Where they, um, there's just big blocks of color. Mm -hmm. Um, and those guys actually took samples of colors that they found all over the city to use for the mural. Germantown Ave is, is such a... Just like driving from where it starts in Northern Liberties all the way out is just like a really interesting study in architecture and signage. There's that Calvin and Hobbes cartoon. I don't know if either of you guys like Calvin and Hobbes. I don't remember the setup exactly, but him and Hobbes are digging through some stuff. And, you know, they find like a grub and like a rock. I just remember the punchline is after they find all this sort of gross mundane stuff is Calvin's super excited. And he's like, there's treasure everywhere. The classic <laughs> spiritual Calvin. Calvin's Hobbes. pissing on Germantown. You right? <laughs> <He was> asshole. <laughs> it would, to be more Philly, it would just be like throwing like the McDonald's bag down the drain. Oh, like yeah. a Calvin. <laughs> and pissing <laughs> in the drain. Freehand. It's a complicated drawing of Calvin. Like a chicken bone. (laughs) Plus his neck is craned around backwards to look at you. His whole body's contorted just to show this disrespect. So much. I gotta go. Yeah, what's your where? Yeah, where are you going from here? I'm going right down to the city of brotherly love. I am going. Um, I work a few days a week at the Random Tea Room and Curiosity oh, Shop. Oh yeah, right, right. That's one of my favorite spots. I, I love that little place. I love tea. I mean, coffee has become so ubiquitous but tea has really over like a longer amount of time been the you know the kind of drink that has ruled this world are you willing at all to play a tune for us 
Sure. What do you think? What song are you playing for us? It's called Sick Graves Pass. All those ashes at Sick Graves Pass Buried in coffee cans and thick liquor bottle glass Where the highway turns till it gets lost And then you come across a ragtag group of crosses Railroad town in northern Arizona, a rodeo dress from a thrift store going under. Santa Fe line, oh, you can take me back to a northeast city in its winter's gray and So near to being pioneers, even if what that was never becomes clear. Turquoise rings and copper arms, white lightning in my pockets, and silver good luck charms. I followed those fast clouds all the way to Bisbee and settled in for the greatest night in history. We've come so near to being pioneers, even if what that was never became. loved what birdie was saying about feeling mismatched for the world until she found music yeah it's like suddenly she just hit her groove exactly and it, not that she was that old but um it felt like there was a certain amount of criticism from her friends and other people right like, like oh you're gonna go do this now right what are you gonna make songs now create pretty songs what would you like if your friends <laughs> talk like that to you <laughs> what's the matter with you you gotta do art now yeah but I think they could all probably tell she was a creative spirit, but it just it points to that sense of people to be like always questioning, always poking. As a creative person, you're always going to get some flack for the new ideas you have, the weird 
ideas that you might never finish, the brand new hobby you have, whatever. But I feel like it's all it's always the work itself. It's that's the only hope you have for proving the sanity of your behavior. Right. Cuz once she had great songs, what did it matter what anybody else thought? Like then she justified it through the work. Being an artist is about trusting your vision enough, like as narcissistic as it is, like trusting yourself enough, having the confidence to be like I'm going to do something that's crazy until it becomes something that proves that doing it was not crazy. It almost feels like you can create your own reality. There's like an assumed reality, which is just the norm that everyone has made, like all the people around me. But if you're like charismatic enough, you can almost like inject your own sense of reality. And that's almost what an artist does. It's like creating, whether through the work or just the thing that they're doing, or just through the energy or asking people like, hey, will you go on this journey with me? You just like make a new experience that becomes the reality. Birdie is a treasure hunter because she looks for meaning where there is no meaning and finds it. And that's what an artist does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's how you find the treasure is you're a ruthless optimist about beauty. When you're in love, man, you're in love. Everything a gift you want to give. Some homemade thing wrapped up in string. Bound on the road from here to What's a treasure hunt without a little quicksand? Quicksand. I remember I always thought, I just believed from the time I was a kid, that quicksand was just infinite. It, like, it just kept de- yeah, going like deeper and deeper. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's you just, like a black it's hole. It's a hole in the universe, but yeah. filled with sand. Mm-hmm. You know, and you just sink and sink and sink. Well, and also, there was like, that was propagated by Mario. Remember, you could go down some of the quicksands, like into another right. level. Right. Yeah, like, totally. You just go through the earth. My brother was in gymnastics. And he would like jump off the you know gymnastics board into one of those big foam block pits, and yeah. I thought, I asked him one time, I was like, well, how deep, how deep are those things? Like, what's down there? He's like, foam. I'm like, but like, but where's like how deep? And he's like, no, no, he's like, man, he goes, foam, man, bottomless. <laughs> and I, and then that. Like at that ripe young age, I was ready to accept that eternal concept. Quicksand, something I could never do now. But at that time, I was just like the bottom dropped out of my brain, and I was just like bottomless. (laughs) (laughs) I conceived of it in a pure, innocent, childlike way. I was like, I conceived of a bottomless foam pit. We had this, we had this like drum teacher guy who like had long dreads and a long like beard who would like teach us about all this percussion stuff. You'll go into his house and just sit on a bongo drum, you know, and he'd like pass you different types of percussive instruments. And then he had this cowbell, and he was like, You could play that cowbell unmicrophoned with Santana at the Red Rocks Amphitheater, and you'd be able to hear it in every seat of the house. And <laughs> I like, just remember thinking, I bet that frequency could be heard for miles around. 
You were like just like, said, this is like, the, what I hold in my hand is the loudest <laughs> instrument ever invented. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you had like Excalibur it was, it was cooler of noise than like makers. A Fender, yeah, Fender Blues or like a Twin Reverb. I was just going to clank the shit out of that thing. Your hands are just, your little hands are like trembling. You're like, if I bring these two objects together, the earth will shatter in two. Imagine you hit the cowbell and the ricochet just like rips both your arms right off. (laughs) My body splits in half and all my brains, my entrails fall out. (laughs) Each half of your body regresses eternally into a separate foam pit. (laughs) It was awesome when you were a kid. There was no limits, you know. You You could believe you were able, you had the capacity to believe in things that were limitless. Your life you spend acquiring limitations right that's that's what boundaries we do. and yeah and it's yeah. before that there's boundless authority right like authority is perfect there's there's eternal life death has no meaning and uh what else i mean those are the two big ones right yeah but you acquire these limitations right i mean you find out shit isn't perfect but not just once. It's just like more and more as you get older, incrementally, you acquire more limitations. And you're like, oh, no, it's not that sad. It's this sad. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, there's also that kind of sadness and this kind of sadness. There's actually a myriad sadness that <laughs> you will just fold yeah. into eternity feeling. You know? Not only does that hot dog have a nail in it, <laughs> it's also going to slide out of the bun and fall on the sidewalk. Right, because that's... That's a part of every human's experience, which you just described. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That not, specific not only, scenario. Not only is something going to be awful in its momentary state, it's going to have some resounding sense of shame in it as well. <laughs> no, but that, like, uh-huh. oh, what is this? I'm so disappointed that I ate, put this in my mouth, in my body. And as you're thinking that you drop it, spill ketchup all down your lap. And you the drop nail your hot sticks dog. you several times, and, and, and then, then the blood mixes with the ketchup. And then all your vegan friends see that you're eating a hot dog in the first place. It's a mess. And I'm not trying to be and like your wiener's hanging out of your zipper. Oh, and the, your zipper and the ketchup down. gets on there, and everybody thinks it's blood and thinking of an STD, and no one has sex with you ever again. Ex- no, <laughs> except the people that you tricked into having sex, which makes you a terrible person, and then you give them your STD. It's not STD. It's it's ketchup. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you give them ketchup. Oh no, you give them. And it's like a brownfield. More is ketchup it, boy. It's like the perception of a polluted field is the same thing as a polluted field. Yeah. So here, STD is just like a brownfield. It's a polluted field. <laughs> a Whether placebo. we think it's polluted or it's not, <laughs> it's no one's a, gonna touch that shit. It's off limits. Right. Right. So you give them the ketchup. It operates just like an STD. Perfect. And Easy that's the peasy, scenario. So that's that's what happens in life to everyone. And I'm not trying to be negative, Nancy, like you know Murphy's Law shit. Like, oh, everything bad happens will happen. No, no it's just I see that what you mean. Incrementally, you understand. You have to grow your capacity for pain because more because and it more happens. bad it happens. stuff happens yeah. around. And you. not not in like a negative way. It's just like that. Those are like the layers of of life that accrue. You know, it's really. I mean, it's. It's just there's these certain like switch points in life and that one when you start to like feel that type of pain or misery or whatever is like definitely a a thing that you can't switch back off, you mm-hmm. know. It kind of sets in motion this feeling of like 
oh, it is kind of like a whole bunch of things are going to get worse. The cat's going to die. You know, every time you want to play with the cat, you just remember that the cat's going to die. We secretly trust everything to dissolve, I think, whether we admit it or not, because we really believe in our own death because our our lives have confirmed entropy over and over again. You know, certainty falls apart, authority falls apart, our bodies fall apart, our ice cream cone falls apart, you know, and that can make us into some pretty desperate, terrible people, or it can make us kinder and more courageous. Words, 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 we need to have some words. Words, pathology, something wrong with us. Oh, I really need someone to talk to. We need to talk. Words, we need to talk about. I'm Levi Landis. And I'm Zach Stock. From Philadelphia, this has been We Need to Talk. Find us on the web at talktalktalk.org, on Twitter and Gmail at We Need to Podcast. The songs featured on tonight's show can be found on Birdie Bush's new record, Birdie Bush and the Greatest Night. On the web at birdiebushmusic.com, that's birdiebush, B U S C H, music.com, and on Twitter at birdadu, B I R D A D O O. You can catch Birdie on stage this Saturday for the Philly Opry at Johnny Brenda's, along with The Sermon and Slowy and the Boats. Good night. Good night, friends. Good night, sun and starshine. Good night, love of my love. Good night, twins and triplets and all loved grandbabies. Good night, ice cream sandwich. Good night, Samuel L. Jackson in Pulp Fiction. Good night, Old Country Buffet. I really need someone to talk to. The pirates, they aren't in it for the treasure hunt. They're in it for the money. The kids. The booty. They're in it for the hunt. The bounty. For the adventure. (laughs) 